Chapter 21. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Shortly after we became interested in the Holy Spirit's role in helping a boy rid himself of an addiction to narcotics, we had a visit at the center from a Jesuit priest. He, too, wanted to know more about the baptism. He had heard our young people at a street rally and was so impressed that he wanted to know their secret. We spent an afternoon with Father Gary at the center exploring with him the deep meanings of the baptism. The first thing we did was to show him the references to the experience in the Douay version of the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a denominational experience, I said. We have Episcopalians and Lutherans and Baptists and Methodists working with us, all of whom have been filled with the Holy Spirit. In its essence, we told Father Gary, the baptism is a religious experience that gives you power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, said Jesus, when he showed himself to his apostles after his death. In my office, Father Gary and I bent over the Bible. The first reference to this special experience comes in the early part of the gospel story. The Jews, you remember, wondered for a while if John the Baptist was the Messiah. But John told them, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed, he said, and this is the important prediction, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. From the beginning of Christianity, then, this baptism of the Holy Ghost has had a special significance because it marks the difference between the mission of a mere man, no matter how bold and effective, and the mission of Christ. Jesus would baptize his followers with the Holy Ghost. In his last hours on earth, Jesus spent a great deal of time talking to his disciples about the Holy Ghost, who would come after his death to stand by them, comfort them, lead them, and give them that power that would allow them to carry his mission forward. Then, after the crucifixion, he appeared to them and told them not to leave Jerusalem. You must wait, he said, for the promise made by my Father, about which you have heard me speak. John, as you know, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And within the next few days, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then we turn to the second chapter of Acts. It was immediately after this, I reminded Father Gary, that the disciples were gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. While the day of Pentecost was running its course, they were all together in one place, when suddenly there came from the sky a noise like that of a strong driving wind, which filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues like flames of fire, dispersed among them and resting on each one. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them power of utterance. This experience at Pentecost is where we Pentecostals get our name. We place a tremendous store in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as it was foretold by John, promised by the Father, and experienced at Pentecost. I'm sure you've noticed the vast change that took place in the apostles after this experience. Before, they had been timid and powerless men. Afterward, they did receive that power that Christ spoke about. They healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead. The same men who had hidden themselves at the crucifixion went on after this experience to stand up to the hostile world with their message. Then I told Father Gary about the gigantic revival that swept the United States, Canada, England, and South America in the early 1900s. At the heart of this revival was the message that the power given to the church at Pentecost had for the most part fallen into impotency and could be brought back through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts tells of five different times when people received this experience, I said. And the early Pentecostals noticed that in four out of five of these times, the people who were baptized with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues. Father Gary wanted to know what speaking in other tongues was like. It's like talking in another language, a language that you don't understand. One by one I pointed out to Father Gary the places in the Bible where this experience followed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples spoke in tongues at Pentecost. 
Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit after his Damascus Road conversion and subsequently spoke in tongues, saying, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. The members of Cornelius' household were baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. The new Christians at Ephesus were similarly baptized and began to speak in tongues. Even in the story of the fifth baptism at Samaria, Simon the magician saw something so extraordinary happen that he wanted the power himself and offered money for it, that when I lay my hands on anyone, he will receive the Holy Spirit. Doesn't it seem logical that the experience he saw was also speaking in tongues? That would make sense, I suppose, if it happened in all the other baptisms. When did you have the experience yourself? It's been a tradition in our family for three generations. And then we talked a while about my wonderful, fiery old grandfather. He first heard this message in 1925. He preached against it, too, at every occasion he could find. But then one day, I recounted, while he was in the pulpit preaching against the Pentecostals, he himself began to tremble and shake, which is one of the things that happens often when people first have this power flow into them. It's something you feel, a little like a shock, except that the sensation is not at all unpleasant. Anyhow, Grandpa was the most surprised person in the world when this happened to him, and he himself received the baptism and began to speak in tongues. From that day on, he preached Pentecost whenever and wherever he could, because he saw personally what power the experience held. My my father received it when he was 25, and I received it when I was only 13. All three generations of us preach this message today. Father Gary wanted to know what the actual experience was like. Why don't you ask the kids, I said. We invited him to have lunch with us, and over chicken and salad, Father Gary listened as several of our young people described for him what it had been like when they were filled with the Spirit. The first was a 12-year-old girl named Nida. We had found her on Coney Island, wandering around as if lost. Linda Miser learned from her that sex and alcohol were the centers of her revolt against her family. I used to drink a lot, she said now, and to run around with any boy who looked that way at me. I hated my parents, especially my mother. Linda brought me here to the center, and I sat in the chapel and listened to all the other kids talk about how Jesus helped them, and they were tempted. When I had problems, like being with a boy, I used to break up and get disgusted. But these dope addicts had problems, too, worse than mine. We still get tempted, they say, but now we always run into the chapel and pray. When they prayed, they spoke in another language, but they looked happy and were sure of themselves. And when they got up from their knees, their temptation was gone. So they made me want the same thing. I went into the chapel one day to pray by myself. I started telling God all about my problems, and I asked him to come into my life like he had to those drug addicts. Like a blinding light, Jesus burst into my heart. Something took over my speech. It made me feel like I was sitting down by a river that somehow was flowing through me and bubbled up out of me like a musical language. It was after this that one of the workers showed me in the book of Acts what it was all about. It was the most wonderful thing that ever happened. Father Gary sat listening and nodding his head and sometimes saying, Yes, yes, in recognition of what she was saying. The next boy especially brought this reaction from Father Gary. First of all, John said, I know this is real, and you know how? Because afterward, Jesus Christ seemed to come right out of the Bible. He became a living person who wanted to stand with me through my problems. Yes, said Father Gary, this is wonderful. With me, said a boy named Joseph, He helped me get rid of drugs. I used goofballs and marijuana, and I was beginning to skin pop heroin. I already had the mind habit, and I had to do this thing. When I heard about Jesus, it kind of shocked me that he loved people in spite of all their sins. It stirred me when I heard that he puts real teeth behind his promises by coming into us with this baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, they told me. When I thought of comfort, I thought of a bottle of wine and half a dozen goofballs. But these guys were talking about comfort out of heaven, where I could feel clean later. 
So I got to wanting this, just like Nita. In the chapel, he turned his head toward the door of the chapel, I cried to God for help, and that's when he came around. He took over my lips and tongue, and I was speaking in a new language. At first I thought I was crazy, but all of a sudden I knew I couldn't be, because something was happening, too. I wasn't lonely anymore. I didn't want any more drugs. I loved everybody. For the first time in my life, I felt clean. On and on the kids went, each wanting to tell what had happened to them. You had to make them take turns talking. When Father Gary left an hour later, he was still saying, Yes, yes. He said he wanted to talk the experience over with some of his friends at Fordham University. I only wish he had stayed a little longer, because that same night another boy received the baptism and he could have witnessed the experience for himself. The boy's name was Roberto. Roberto was 16 years old. He had been on heroin for two years and on marijuana before that. He had been in jail four times, once for stabbing another gang member in a street fight. The boy lived, but Roberto had a fr- was afraid that someday he might kill. Unlike many of the boys who come to the center, Roberto had parents who stood by him. They tried everywhere to get help, but Roberto's downhill slide only increased its pace. That night I met Roberto in the chapel. I guessed from the way he was fidgeting and moving around restlessly that he was about to go out for a fix. I've got problems, Davy, he said, quietly lacing and unlacing his fingers. When an addict says he has problems, he means that he has to make contact and shoot it up, and soon. So I started talking to Roberto again about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nicky will be preaching about it tonight. Be there and let the Holy Spirit come upon you. I don't know, Davy. I've got to get some fresh air. I'm not feeling so good. I had to let him go, and frankly, I didn't expect to see him again. But that night, he was in the chapel when I arrived. I could tell from the way he continued to suffer that he had made it without getting a fix. I sat down beside him and watched him carefully as several of our former gang members and drug addicts arose and quite simply told of the wondrous things that were happening to them. Nicky preached about the need of every drug addict to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want power in your life, if you are on the needle and really want to change, then listen to this. The Holy Spirit is what you need. And when you receive him, you will also receive ten special gifts that you can depend on. I'm going to tell you about them. If you have a pencil and a paper, you can copy down the Bible references that show where I got them. First of all, you will have power. You can read that in Acts 1.8. You shall have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you're going to have a comforter, John 14.26. A comforter doesn't mean someone who will make you comfortable. It means someone who will stand by you and give you strength. Next, you will have protection. Read in Acts 16.6. How the Holy Spirit forbids the apostles to take a step that would have been tragic. He will guide you like this too. And here's an important one. You will no longer be hounded by the mind of the flesh, but you will have spiritual values. Read it in Ephesians 2, 3-6. You will have life. Now you are headed for death. But with the Holy Spirit, it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5-6, that you will have new life. And you will be living with the Spirit of truth. The needle holds out a promise to you that is never fulfilled. You don't get released in a drilling session. It just gets worse. John 16, 13 tells you that you will have truth. Access to the Father will be yours. Read Ephesians 2, 18. And the last three, you will have hope. How many of you have that now? Not many. You will have hope, says Romans 15, 13. And the point of all this is found in 2 Corinthians 3, 17. You, you boys out there now, will have liberty. And how does this come about? Through a dramatic, sudden, overpowering experience. Read about it for yourself in Acts 10.44. Then Nicky stopped. His his voice dropped and he spoke in almost a whisper. That's what's ahead for you in this new life, he said. But here tonight, I don't think we want to read about it. And we don't want to talk about it. We want to do it. 
If you want this change and power and hope and freedom in your life, get on your feet and come up front. I'm going to lay my hands on your head just like St. Paul did. And the same thing is going to happen to you that happened to the new Christians in his time. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Roberto took one look at me and leapt to his feet, and my heart leapt with him. I want everything God has for me, he said. I want to make it through and never come back. Roberto fairly ran to the front of the chapel. He grabbed Nicky's hands and put them on his own head. Almost immediately, the same thing happened to this boy that had happened to my grandfather. He began to tremble as if current were flowing through him. He fell to his knees, and the other boy stood around him praying. It was like reliving a scene from the book of Acts. In less than two minutes, a new language was flowing from Roberto's lips. It poured out like a spring bubbling up out of the dry land. Of course, everyone was rejoicing. All the other drug addicts came around, Nicky and Roberto, and began saying, He's going to make it. He's coming through. Nicky kept saying, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping these boys. Then others picked it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping these boys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.